Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me back in the studio, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, good to be back. want to be up front. The reason there was not an episode last week, just to kind of peek behind the curtain because I feel comfortable talking about it now, uh, was there was a death in my family last week. And so as a result, there was no show. Uh, my aunt passed away. Uh, so we took the week off. So to everyone who sent the well wishes and thoughts and support, thank you very much. It is greatly appreciated. Absolutely, Pat. You know, obviously we, are, we had your back here and our condolences out to you and your family. We didn't want to make a big spectacle about it online. I mean, this is a personal matter for you. So yeah. we just kind of put out the statement. We did do an episode for the patrons only which I didn't want to make like a big cash grab either. Yeah. It was just like yeah. there was a couple of events we wanted to talk about, and I know that we owed the patrons because uh, it's been a crazy couple weeks here with the ODPH, yeah. to put it mildly. Yeah. So we, we thought we'd uh, hook them up with a little something extra. So we did, but we are back to business here, like we always do, giving you a parlay of topics each and every week. And if you want to find out more, Pad, where do they head on over to? ODPHpodcast.com. That's right. So you head over to the website, check out all the social media links. There's a lot going on there, a lot more accounts we're getting tagged with, which is great. So the word of the parlay is spreading all throughout the land. You can also check out the T Public Store link where there's always a sale going on, it seems like, every week. So if you want to get some ODPH swag, especially for con season, no better time to do it. There's also the Patreon link, like we touched upon. Uh, shout out to all our amazing patrons, one tier, $2 a month. They got some bonus content and some stuff on the way, too. Like I said, we don't want to give everything away, but it truly means the world that we have that support in that level, so we just can't say thank you enough. Also, on the website, you can check out the blog section, where we always have reviews going up left and right. You can check out the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative, and so many more. The directory, Pat, how many providers are we on? 822,000. Sounds about right to me. It goes up each and every week, and we love seeing that. Also, the music section, where you can check out friends of the show, such as Brian Wolf, who is coming back into town uh, locally here in the 607 for Porch Fest, hey. which is an outdoor music festival that is going on where people play in the front of... Uh, People's porches. People's porches. That's how it is. So Porch fast. You got it. It works. So if you're in the 607 locally, you can check out Brian. If you're not, we can go to the link there. Go download everything going on with him and the Howlers. Tom Jolu, who you hear each and every week on Nerd Initiatives, Turn a Page as the opening theme song, and so many other great musicians that hook us up with stuff. Like Shout Out the Robots as well, too. Can't forget about them. So to kind of sum it up, if it's anything and everything, it is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember, use the hashtag ODPHPod on social media. You came to hear some topics. Let's give you some topics. Pad, what are we talking about this week? Uh, so first off, we're going to talk about UFC 292, which took place from the garden. 
the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. I apologize to all our Massachusetts listeners. I know <laughs> I know I butchered the shit out of it, but I don't care. Uh, but yeah, no, UFC 292 took place from the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts this past Saturday. Uh, an announced attendance of 18,293 folks were in attendance. You had your main event was for the Bantamweight Championship. Also on the also on the line was the Women's Strawweight Championship. So definitely some uh, interesting fights on this card uh, when you go going into it. Yeah, this one we, we touched upon on the Patreon episode, but we definitely wanted to bring some attention to this card, especially because the main event alone mm-hmm. was going to be, in my opinion, a make or break for the UFC. Mm-hmm. Because we have been down this road many times before, where there is a fighter that really takes over the social media of the company, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And they really have a lot of momentum behind them. And when they're put in the big spotlight such as this, mm-hmm. either they make it or they break it. And we've seen in the past that sometimes it has not happened. But when we heard about this main event that got announced, we definitely wanted to make sure we were giving it proper due because there are a lot of headlines coming out of that. But there's also some headlines from fights earlier before that. So let's get into that first. Yes. Uh, so one I'm going to mention just real quickly was on the main event of the preliminary card on ESPN in the middleweight division where you had Brad Tavares defeat Chris Weidman via unanimous decision 30-27, 30-27, and 30-27. It was great seeing Chris Weidman back. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the legend that took down Anderson Silva in his prime mm-hmm. in one of the most uh, historic upsets in MMA history. And one of the nastiest injuries. Yes. Yay. Yeah, which we are not getting into on this show. Nope. But it was cool to see Weidman at least come back. He suffered yeah. a, a very bad injury not too long ago as well. So to see him just back in the cage is a big win, but obviously coming up on the short end against Tavares. But mm-hmm. it's, still, it's still a solid fight, yeah. though. Uh, and then on the first fight on the main card was uh, in the bantamweight division where Marlon Verrett defeated Pedro Munoz via unanimous decision 30-27, uh, 30-27, and 29-28. I had a feeling it was going to go this route. Okay. Chico Vera has been very overlooked, in my opinion, by the UFC in this bantamweight division. Mm-hmm. Pat, do you know who he defeated? And did not get raised uh, higher in the rankings, shall we say? I mean, I'm looking at his record here, and there's a couple of names that like, I'm seeing that, like, okay, should have raised his stock a little bit, but it's going to be hard for me to guess which one. Mm. Uh, Dominic Cruz is on this list. Rob Font's on this list. Frankie Edgar's on this list. Sean O'Malley's on this list. That's the one. Okay. He defeated... One Sean O'Malley. Uh, via TKO at UFC 252 on August 15th, 2020 at four minutes and 40 seconds of the first round. Mm-hmm. Dominated him with leg kicks. In fact, really did some damage, and O'Malley was out after this for a long time. Right. And yet, he never got moved up higher, in my opinion, to that title shot that he was well-deserving. Right. I mean, you take a look. Who did he fight after? Uh, he His next fight was against Jose Aldo, which he lost via unanimous decision. That was in December of the same year. Mm-hmm. And that's the closest he ever got. Now, granted. Right. And the thing, too, is, okay, he fought Jose Aldo, but this is Jose Aldo in 2020. I don't have the rankings in front of me of what they were in December three years ago. Right. So who's to say where he was and what it was? But just on name status alone, that's a big opportunity. It's a big opportunity, but I don't think it was one that really, at this stage... Aldo is not the Aldo of old. Right. Aldo is a legend, don't get me wrong. 
But I thought when this happened, he should have been immediately shot up the rankings. He should have got you know something a lot higher. It didn't pop off like it like it should have. Aldo at this stage, I mean, was not the Aldo of old. So right, it's it's father time. Yeah. So seeing it really happen in this manner just didn't really move a lot for me, so to speak. Right. I mean, he's thirty six now. So three years ago, he's thirty he's thirty three, give or take. Uh, so when he beat Marlon Vera, that was for his twenty ninth win. He's was twenty nine and seven at the time. You know, so. You know, and he did rattle off three wins, starting with Marlon Vera. He beat Marlon Vera, Pedro Munoz, and Rob Font. So, a little bit of a career resurgence. But is it the is it the you know Jose Aldo of o, of old that was going into the Conor McGregor fight in 2015 with one loss on his record? No. Then mm, that's kind of where I say, like, I think after that fight, especially when he took out the the fast rising star that the UFC is really strapping the rocket to. I really thought it was uh, kind of just an interesting play to at mm-hmm. Aldo at that situation. But, I mean, Aldo is Aldo. He found the fountain of youth and was making a run late. So, I mean, I guess you could say it, it worked out for me. Right. But I don't know. Like, I, it just always kind of rubbed me the wrong way about mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. But with Vera getting the win here, this did have a lot of ramifications for the main event. Sean O'Malley said in the press conference before the main event, he is more than willing to give Vera the title shot. Right. Because... With O'Malley's rise into that ranking, he did bypass a lot of people, and Vera is one of them because Vera is somebody that defeated him very handedly. Right. That was it. Wasn't a you know a judge's decision by any means. Vera won straight up. Right. I'm looking at UFC.com/slash/rankings, uh, and of course the bantamweight champion. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number one ranked fighter. Well, we'll get to that a little bit. Don't want to spoil anything. Uh, number two is Marab Devishvili. Uh, number three is Henry Cejudo. Four is Corey Sandhagen. Five is Peter Yan. And number six, Marlon Vera. Yeah, which I'm happy to see he rose up there finally, and is trajecting in the proper direction. Mm-hmm. So you know it's a good win for him. Uh, very solid fight, but you know, like I say, I wasn't surprised at this because Vera has a huge chip on his shoulder, as he should. Yeah, and I think whoever he's going to be facing next, they are going to have probably the best uh, Marlon Vera that they're ever going to face. Fucking Christ! There's another Nurmagomedov in the bantamweight division. Yes, there is. What the fuck? These guys are like Terminators. You get rid <laughs> of one, and like four more pop up. Yeah. Next, though. Next up on the main card was, again, in the bantamweight division where you had Mario Batista beat Damon Blackshear via unanimous decision, uh, 29-28, 29-28, and 30-27. Nothing really crazy to write home about. Uh, Very solid fight, Mm -hmm. top to bottom. So, uh, like I say, it could have gone either way, but in my opinion, judges made the right call here. Yeah, no, a good call by them. A good exposure for Mario Batista uh, because looking at his record, he has 15 professional matches under his belt, 13 wins, two losses. Uh, and this is kind of it. This appears to be, without digging too deep into the cards, it might be his first exposure on the main card. Mm-hmm. You know, so hey, good for him and getting getting some exposure. You know, hopefully it leads to more success for him. Currently on a one, two, three, four, five fight win streak. So in theory, you could see him maybe maybe main eventing or close to main eventing the prelims or maybe back on the main card if something else happens and you know a fight has to drop off. But hey, good for him. It's about taking advantage of the spotlight when you get yeah. it. Yeah. So can't fault him on that. Next up was in the welterweight division where you had Ian Machado Gary defeat Neil Magny via unanimous decision. God, this was a long night. Uh, 30, 26, 30, 26, 30, 24. And for those of you at home who don't understand those scorecards, uh, this is what the judges like to call an ass whooping. Mm-hmm. Gary is 
really fast tracking himself in the right direction too. Mm-hmm. I think that this was a very high profile win for him. Right. And to think about what was going on prior to this, mm-hmm. Gary had a couple opponents lined up before him. Right. So before he gets to fight uh, Neil Magny, he was supposed to fight Jeff Neal. Neil was taken out uh, with injury. Right. Magny is plugged in. And this really showed what kind of level Gary is on. Right. And especially now beating somebody. And like I say, Magny is a fighter much like in the same vein of uh, a Leon Edwards, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a technically sound fighter. You're not going to get big sound bites from him. Right. But when you put him in the cage, he's going to fight. He's going to scrap. You're going to get your money's worth. I'm looking at Gary's record. Very impressive. Yeah. Uh, 15, or excuse me, 13 professional matches, 13 wins, zero losses, seven by knockout, five by decision, one by submission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I say, he, he was just using up leg kicks left and right on this. And like I say, he looked probably the most technically sound I've seen him, mm-hmm. and that is saying a lot when you have somebody that's on that skill level of Neil Magny. Right. So the question now becomes, where do you go with him from here? Well, for what it's worth on the rankings, uh, he did, uh, Gary did jump up two spots from the number 13 position to the number 11 position. Uh, Magny fell down one position to number 12. So, I mean, you got Vincente Lucas at 10, Sean Brady is at 9, Jeff Neal is at 8, and then you got Stephen Wonderboy Thompson at number 7 uh, for the welterweight division. I could see him fighting any of those guys. You got Shavkat Rachmanov at number 6, but... That feels like too much of a jump right now, 11 fighting a 6. Weirder stuff's happened, though. They might. Like, that's the weird thing, and I like how you touched upon it, because crazier things have happened in the UFC. I don't doubt Gary gets uh, Wonder Boy. I could see it. He called him out after the fight. I think that fight makes a lot of sense. Wonder Boy's in a weird situation, too, because you don't know where he is going to go. He's been tagged with about three different fighters. Right. But I would say this, if Gary is there, that's a big money fight, and I do like the matchup there, even though, like I say, Thompson could go somebody else. I know Kamaru Usman has been attached with him for I don't know how long now. Right. But if they wanted to pull a switch here, I think the UFC would make a lot of sense to do that. Mm -hmm. And especially you want to get somebody that's generating the buzz like Gary did and get him back on in the cage in front of a big audience as soon as possible. Right. It just depends on what makes sense. But I tell you what, if it's me, I do like that Thompson fight because that's a true litmus test of like where his skill yeah, level say, is. Yeah, I'd say so. So I have to wait and see about this one. But yeah. I would say very scary to see the performance and how much he's evolving. Mm-hmm. And like I say, he's going to be a problem in that welterweight division. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, next up is the co-main event of the evening, which was in the women's strawweight division, where you had Zhang Weili defend her belt uh, against Amanda Lemos, defeating her by unanimous decision, uh, 50-43, 50-44, and 49-45. Uh, so again, folks, this is what we like to call an ass whooping. You know, the scary thing is Zhang Weili is just that much better than most of everybody in that division. Uh, except for those of you named uh, Thug Rose Namajunas. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think about, but Lemos is not a slouch right. by any means. Like I thought this was going to be closer than it was, 
But this is Wheelie really just making her mark and saying, like, who else is there? Right. I mean, looking at Lemos's record, uh, 17 professional matches, 13 wins, three losses, one draw. Uh, she beat Marina Rodriguez via TKO. She beat Michelle Watterson via, via guillotine choke submission. Uh, Angela Hill via split decision. She lost to Jessica Andrade with an arm triangle choke submission. Mm-hmm. You know, but then you got uh, Masterat Ruiz. She beat by TKO. Livia Renata Souza via TKO. Like... She does not go the distance very often. It's like, it's like she's got places to be and not a lot of time to get there. Mm-hmm. And then you take a look at that ranking in for the division. Yeah. I mean, where do we go from here with Zhang? Well, I mean, looking at Zhang Weili is currently the champion. Number one, Carla Esparza. Uh, number two, Rose Namajunas. Uh, number three, Yan uh, Xiaonan. Uh, Four, mm-hmm. Tatiana Suarez. Five, Amanda Lemos. Six, Jessica Andrade. Seven, Verna uh, Janderuba. Uh, eight, Mackenzie Dern. Nine, Marina Rodriguez. Ten, Tisha Torres. Eleven, Amanda Rivas. Twelve, uh, Luana Penhero. Uh, Thirteen, Michelle Watterson Gomez. Fourteen, Tabitha Ricci. Uh, and then 15, Angela Hill. So here's the question for you, Pat. This is a strawweight division, correct? Yes, it is. There is a a very good plethora of fighters that could step up and really take a hold of the spotlight here. Right. I think Suarez would be a great matchup for Zhang. I could see it. I mean, because like you touched upon, there's few people that are on that level with Zhang right now. Carla Esparza is one. Well, and, and she just beat Carla in the fight before Amanda Lemos because I'm looking at mm-hmm. Zhang's record. Uh, so the fight before Amanda Lemos was Zhang versus Carla Esparza. She beat her with rear naked choke submission at one minute, five seconds of the first, second round. Yeah, like so I said. So I don't think they're going to redo that again. No, I don't think that, they would either. That quickly, you know, but yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm looking, bouncing between her record and the rankings. Then you get, uh, whoop, there it is. Thug Rose. Thug Rose. Yeah, I mean, you could, but you've done that twice already, and it's 2-0 Thug Rose. Yeah, so you're, you're kind of in a little bit of limbo there with her. Uh, Yan Zhao Nan uh, hasn't, doesn't look like she's faced her before, no. so that, that's an option. Yan would be a, a great matchup, too, and I could see that going by ranking to do that if they wanted to go that route. But there was one name that buzzed around over the weekend, and I did see this on an ESPN.com article as well, too. Uh-huh. And ever since I saw it, I legit went, I think this is the play to go. Mm-hmm. If Zhang moved up 10 pounds okay. and goes to the flyweight division, yeah. there's a certain fighter that you can consider the pound-for-pound best fighter in women's MMA right now with Amanda Nunez not there anymore. Right. Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah. That would certainly be box office. And I know, and like I say, I know that Shevchenko did lose. Right. So I, and obviously I think you want to do the immediate rematch for her. Right. But I'm just saying this was thrown out. And like I say, I read it on the ESPN article from uh, Brett Akamoto. Right. I like listen. I think he's he's spot on with something here, and and it's possible. I mean, I'm looking at uh, Zhang Weili's record. It does feature notes, so like whether she won or lost, the belt defended it, what have you. But it also goes into mention like if a fight's a catch weight, if she went up a division, if she when she returned to a division, 
Most of her fight has been at the straw weight division. There was a catch weight fight she had uh, in Kun Lun Fight MMA in 2017. Uh, the straw weight championship over there. But, 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 there was a flat. She did make her flyweight debut for Kun Lun Fight MMA. Uh, this, this was a Kun Lun Fight MMA 5 slash top FC 11 in May 2016, where she won that fight via rear naked choke submission. Fought another one. At uh, for Kunlun Fight 47, that was in July of 2016. She won that one via knockout with a head kick, and then she went back down to straw weight for Kunlun Fight 49, where she won via TKO and a doctor stoppage. And according to her Wikipedia page, she has never gone back up to flyweight. Mm. She went up for whatever the reason is, won two fights, and went back down. So she, so it's possible she's done it. Yeah, and uh, and just kind of paraphrase too. Akimoto didn't say that they should fight, but I'm sitting here going, why not? Because Shevchenko, you, I mean, she's on a whole different level than a lot of fighters too. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to have a big box office draw, I mean, I'd make that at flyweight. I could say it. I mean, because we've seen this in the past too, and not so uh, too far off. Uh, Volkanovski, yeah, moving up from 145 to 155, still kept his title, and you know, went back down and, and defended. But if you want to do something like this with Zhang, until you're clear cut about who you want in that title shot, I tell you what, I'd have to consider it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a great fight, and you can build that up. Like you can do that as a main event of a pay per view. Absolutely, with, without the belt, and it would sell. Absolutely, because it's literally who is current, who is right now pound for pound the best. And that's all you need to sell it on. Right. The skill level between both women is incredible. So uh, Alexa Grasso might have something to say about that, but that's for another day. Yeah, but you know what? Grasso, I could see, you know, if you really wanted to go title for title, I mean. We, and that's the only reason I bring Grasso up is on the UFC, the UFC's official rankings. Alexa Grasso is listed as the women's pound for pound top fighter. Yeah, which, like I say, you could make an argument too for like for if you wanted to do her in there. Zhang Weili number two. But I'm just going off Shevchenko's body of work mm-hmm. and being so dominant at that flyweight division. And I mean, granted, Grasso and her got some business to take care of. Yeah. But yeah. if you wanted to do something, if you weren't like fully 100 percent all in about who was next between Jan and Suarez, right? And looking at who else could be in that ranking, yeah. I tell you what, you got to consider that. I mean, you, you could do it. You could very easily have Grasso and Shevchenko fight mm-hmm. at some point here, whenever it is, you know, down the next six months to a year, whatever it is. Winner, if they want, because, hey, you don't, you you don't want to force them to do it if they don't want to do it. But, hey, all right, you, you, be, you beat Shevchenko. You beat Grasso, whoever it is. You want to take on Zhang Weili? You know, don't, you don't have to put the belts on the line. Just make it like a champion mm-hmm. versus champion. And you know what? They are scheduled to fight next on September 16th. There we go. For Grasso and Shevchenko. So Don't I would be surprised if you see Zhang Weili in attendance. I'm going to say this. We, if we call that, we are going to be taking the victory lap about this because I tell you what, that's the play I would do, but I'm not the UFC. They have uh, they have their own booking in mind. And, and you know, if they don't want to hold up that division, like I say, if you put Jan in there, which I think is going, she's going to get the next title shot, and that's uh, completely yeah, fine. Yeah. No issues with that at all. But. The fact that, like I say, I just reiterate, like I saw that name pop up and I did not put one and one together until I saw it in there. Mm-hmm. I'm going, why not let them fight? Yeah. Because that would be freaking nuts. Yeah, it would. Not as crazy. Well, I'd say it'd be crazier than the main event. 
Yeah, so the main event was for the UFC Bantamweight Championship where you had Aljamain Sterling defending his belt against Sean O'Malley, and you had Sean O'Malley emerge victorious, defeating Aljamain Sterling via TKO at 51 seconds of the second round to, to become your and new uh, UFC Bantamweight Champion. So let's get this in some context. Aljamain Sterling had to go the way of Leon Edwards to get this title fight went on an impressive win streak that he had to literally get himself into the bantamweight shot. Uh, so his last loss was to Marlon Moraes on December 9th of 2017, where it was a knockout via knee mm-hmm. going off the Wikipedia page. Yep. He then went and defeated Brett Johns by unanimous decision, submitted Corey Sanhagen, defeated Jimmy Rivera, defeated Pedro Munoz, submitted Corey Sanhagen, had a DQ uh, illegal knee against P- win against Peter Yan. Came mm-hmm. back again. The very next fight, beat Peter Yan by a split decision. Knocked out TJ Dillashaw. And then uh, had a split decision win against Henry Cejudo before he got into his fight with Sean O'Malley. Yeah. It's a hell so, of a rough run there. Yeah, it's a hell of a run, but we have to talk about that DQ knee by Peter Yan. Because that's what got him his title shot. Yep. Or title win, rather, I should say. Yes. And then, remember, it took forever and a day to book that rematch against him. Uh, almost, or actually a little over a year. So the first fight was on March 6th, 2021. The follow-up fight was on April 9th, 2022. Yep. Calendar year. So suffice to say, it took a while to get this going. And, and Sterling, you know, whether you love him or hate him, he definitely earned his championship run, albeit winning by some split decisions. Mm-hmm. You can't take anything away from that. No. But when Sean O'Malley rose through the ranks, and we said after his last fight, if he got this title shot, mm-hmm. he leapfrogged over the entire division, mm-hmm. pretty much. And I, I stress that. Like, I had a problem with that. Right. Because Marlon Vera beat him. Yep. Yet it was kind of more or less overlooked because you take a look at his record since that fight, Pat. Yeah. So since that fight, he beat a gentleman by the name of Thomas Almeida via knockout. That was in March of 2021. Uh, He knocked out Chris uh, Mutino. That was in July of 2021. He knocked out uh, Rolian Paiva, uh, P-A-I-V-A. He knocked him out. Uh, had a no contest against Pedro Munoz. There was an accidental eye poke that re- uh, rendered Munoz unable to continue. Split decision win against Peter Yan, and then you get to this past Saturday where he knocked out Aljamain Sterling. Yeah. So this dude has come back with a vengeance and a, clearly a chip on the shoulder. Yeah, so he's come back, but he got shot up those rankings because he was not even in top 10, I don't think, when he got Peter Yan. Probably not. But yet, here we are. He got himself in there. Coming off the Contender Series, he made himself an internet sensation. Yeah. Flashy hair. Goes in there, yep. literally has knockout power at that division. Did you see, I, I think he did an interview on the Pat McAfee show mm-hmm. the Monday after the fight, because Pat McAfee show is only on Monday to Friday. Did you see the clips from that show? Nothing. I, I don't think he said anything or no, but it was just funny to me the way he presented the camera shot of his webcam from his computer or whatever he was recording off of. Dude made sure to get that belt front and center of the camera shot that like he's almost like leaning down on it leaning you know both arms on his kitchen countertop like he's making some sort of cooking tutorial video on youtube i'll have to show you this it's yeah. it's hysterical but he he made sure to get that belt in the camera shot well the thing is o'malley knows the temp in the room he's an internet star much in in a, a comparison point of view with one logan paul yeah in a comparison except o'malley 
went through a reality show with the Contender Series, got his way to the UFC. He is very charismatic. I don't take that away from him. I just don't like it when fighters skyrocket like this, where they're unranked and all of a sudden get to a title shot. Right. In my opinion, like I'm sorry, I'm I'm old school about this. I'm not meaning this in any derogatory manner towards him, but I'm just like right. It's too much too soon, and we've touched upon this in the past. There has been certain fighters that the UFC has tried strapping that rocket ship on, and it's crashed. What was O'Malley going to do here? Because he comes in, and Sterling, who has put on an impressive record, albeit though not flashy with his title reign, (laughs) and yet here we are. And I'm seeing the camera shot now, Pat, showing me. Well, no, this ain't even the one I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm digging this video up to show you later. But he was on the Pat McAfee, McAfee show again today. Yeah. Except this time, he's sitting in his bathtub, you know, water up to his chest. The UFC belt clearly behind him, and he's smoking something. What? I'm not entirely sure what, but he is smoking something. Yeah. This dude is something else. Yeah, exactly. But that's oh why he's, he's winning fans over. That's why you had the Snoop Dogg uh, O'Malley yes, I did, call. Yes, I, I did see that. That was yeah. great. Yeah, which, like I say, he's winning over pop culture, which, which is a win for the UFC. So I understand why he got the title shot. I do. And I will give him his flowers about this. I thought he had a great game plan against Sterling. Mm-hmm. I thought that the grappling tournaments that he's been doing, he's really focusing on developing his fighting skills, which I am. I, I will admit I'm impressed with. Right. And in that second round, he caught Sterling with one of the most flush right hooks you're ever going to see thrown. Mm-hmm. The composure he had in the pocket is impressive. And Sterling went down. I thought it was a clean knockout. He still was trying to defend himself. And I know there's a lot of, was he out, was he not out? Right, right. I have to say, I side on on the stance of, I don't think he was out, but I think the referee made the right call. I do too. Because while he was on the ground, he took a, a, a flush shot again undefended, mm-hmm. and it looked like he went out for half a second. Yeah. Which, in fighter terms, that is a lot. Did did he did he drop and, you know, stop moving? No. But I think the lights were on, but nobody was home. Yeah. You know, he was there, and, and I think it – because we've seen this, especially in, like, professional wrestling, WWE, you know, other federations over the years, where there's a guy clearly concussed and clearly not there, and I'm not sitting here saying – Algerman was concussed, mm-hmm. but just in a comparison sake where guys have been concussed in the, in the wrestling ring and they're still moving, but clearly there's, there's nobody home. Yeah. I think it was a similar instance here where like he wasn't out by the doctor's technical terms and the technical definition. If you look it up in a medical dictionary, mm-hmm. but I think for all intents and purposes, he was out. Yeah. He, de- he definitely was out. So like, I can't fault him on that. I right. really don't. No, I don't either. But to see him get this big win, that was huge. Yeah. And now the question becomes, where do we go from here? And this is one, I don't know if the UFC has a has a clear-cut answer. I know for me, and I know for O'Malley's sake, I think he has to fight Chico Vera. Okay. Or Cheeto Vera, I'm sorry. Okay. I apologize for messing that up. It's Cheeto. Um, he has to really avenge that loss. Because if he doesn't beat Cheeto... It is going to be 
very, very tough for him to say that he is a champion that deserved this moment when the guy that beat you has been overlooked for I don't know how long. Well, just to play devil's advocate here because I'm looking at the rankings, uh, you've got the number two ranked dude who dropped a spot because, hey, Sean O'Malley jumped up there a little bit mm-hmm. uh, by the name of Marab Divishvili, who has not lost since he lost to Ricky Simone, Simon uh, via guillotine choke submission on April 21st, 2018. So he's gone through. He's beaten uh, Terry and Ware, Brad Katona, Casey Kenny, Gustavo Lopez, John Dodson, Cody Stammen, Marlon Mar- uh, Marlon Moraes, Jose Aldo, and Peter Yan. Well, the one thing is Marab is also teammates with Sterling, so he wouldn't fight. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, right, so there goes that idea. Yeah, so I mean, in that situation, yeah, and I think that Marab is not. I don't know if he's ready to go or not. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know what his status is. I thought last I knew, and I could be wrong about this, hashtag ODPHpod to correct me on this, I thought he was um, injured. Uh, So I am not sure what his status is, if he could go or not. But in this situation, if you're not going to take Vera, and I think Corey Sandhagen has to be somewhere in that discussion. Mm -hmm. Corey Sandhagen uh, currently number four. Yeah, I uh, Henry Cejudo. So you've got Sean O'Malley's number one. Sterling's number is or excuse me. Sean O'Malley's the champion. Aljamain Sterling number one. Rob Devishvili's number two. Henry Cejudo number three. Corey Sandhagen number four, and Peter Yan number five. Yeah, I mean Sandhagen's been more uh, active. Uh huh. So I think that I would go that route, but I think the Vera one it sells itself, and especially if you're really trying to make. Uh, O'Malley into a superstar. Mm-hmm. You, you mean what's better than a fight with a story behind it? Mm-hmm. That's that's the situation I look at it with. And like I say with Cheeto, and I need to apologize. Like I said earlier, I'm mistaken the name. I do apologize. But Cheeto Vera is the fighter that should get here. I mean, you could almost set it up like you know Rocky Three or Creed Three. Right. He's the one that has the chip on his shoulder. He wants to come in there and prove that he should be the one in the spotlight, not O'Malley. O'Malley needs to earn that respect out of him. And I think that you could definitely make this happen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's box office. Uh, so I looked up uh, the Marab Divishvili situation. There was an article from uh, SportsIllustrated.com where this is dated May 22nd. Uh, but it does say that uh, highly regarded UFC bantamweight uh, Marab Divishvili has given fans a time frame on when he can return to physical activities. Yada, 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 yada. Uh, the good news is that he has already gone under the knife and he told the schmo uh, that he can get back to work sooner than you may think. Quote, I needed surgery. I did last Tuesday and now I'm recovering. I will be able to punch in three months and I will be able to train again in six weeks. Punch. Yeah, I need those. I need three months to punch. Uh, Divishvili ruled out a fight in August, but he's open to throwing down with Cejudo or any other top contenders later this year. Quote. I won't be able to fight in August because I need to train again. I need to get ready. I don't think I'll be ready for August, but maybe we'll see another time. Close quote. So a later this year, early next year, it's settling for uh, Marab. I think Marab and Cejudo makes a lot of sense. I can see it. I think that would make a lot of sense. That's where I would go. But, I mean, if they want to give it to Marab, I mean, you can also sell that story, too. Yeah. I just think the Vera fight makes the tr- most tremendous amount of sense. I could, I could see it. So, we'll have to kind of wait to see how it plays out. But a star is born. I mean, yeah. even to the point where the UFC showed on their social media accounts the knockout. Yeah, they did, which is very rare. Usually, it's after the knockout has occurred and the fighter's already celebrating. 
Well, no, but even the next day, like they don't usually give that away on the pay per views. No, I know. But yeah. No, what I'm saying though is is they don't usually show on there. If you can find the clip if you look enough, and sure, you, and, you, yeah. and you search the right keywords on Twitter. But from the official UFC accounts, mm-hmm. you don't usually see the knockout. It's, yeah. it's after it's already occurred. Mm-hmm. The other fighters dropped or submitted or, or know, whatever yeah. else, and it's them celebrating. Yeah. And you'll see the replay of it, but yeah. you won't see it in time. Yeah. That's how much they're behind him. Yeah. That, well, and, and now if I read correctly, he's now the youngest UFC champion ever. I believe you're right. If I, if I read, because he's only 28 years old. Yeah. I, I saw that. I think it was ESPN's MMA Facebook page that said he is now the yeah because he just he turns twenty nine in October, so he's t- twenty eight and a half. Mm-hmm. He's the youngest UFC champion ever. Yeah, with great tech, great technique. I mean, comes great responsibility. And in this situation, he is a bit of an anomaly because we you when you see him, he does not look like he's that composed and that and that skilled. But he gets in that cage and he and like I say, he's just got that power behind his hands. But he's evolving. And yeah. that's going to be a problem for a lot of fighters in that division. But I think for the UFC, he's got a name. He's got a buzz about him. You can, And like I say, for the bantamweight division, which definitely needs some star power, mm-hmm. O'Malley is going to be good for him as long as he can keep fighting at a high level. I think Vera is the, the compelling story. Yeah. And I think that's where they should go. But if they want to go in a couple different routes, I think there's some ways to go as well, too. Hey, and shout out to uh, Cody Gibson, who was on the main first fight on the prelim card. Uh, Lost to Brad Katona. But during the week, you know what he does? Hmm. He's a history and economics teacher at a high school. That's wild. Dude's a teacher during the week and fights MMA on the weekend and made it onto the prelim card at UFC. Congratulations, sir. Hell of a match. Hell of a match. Hell of a card. Hell of a story is coming out of this one, so we definitely want to interact with you about this. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways and thoughts coming out of UFC 292? Are you ready for the Sugar Sean O'Malley era? That is a question we pose to you, ODPH Society. Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you like comic books? What about movies and TV shows? Well, we may be the show for you. We're Hops Geek News, a weekly podcast that discusses comics, movies, and TV shows while featuring a beer of the week. Every week we chat about what we messed up on the week before, and then we dive into what we're reading and watching, as well as some news. We then wrap it up with a geek-themed topic of the week. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching Hops Geek News. Cheers. Cheers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast Pad, let's talk some pro wrestling. Hell yeah. So this past week of WWE programming, mm-hmm. we had a possible end of an era. We did. Because a long, beloved superstar who had a triumphant comeback from injury is technically announced that they are done wrestling for now with the WWE? Well, we, he, he said that this past Friday was his last official match but he's still under contract with them through September. So for right now, it looks like he might be done again. And who are we talking about? Uh, the rated R superstar. I'm not going to try and do it like Tony Trimble. I just, yeah. I just can't. Uh, Edge. Yes. So it was announced earlier in the week that Edge uh, was going to be having a match against Sheamus in Toronto. We knew this one was going to be the episode of SmackDown that mm-hmm. the bloodline was not featured on. Mm-hmm. And uh, there started... 
speculation coming out that this was going to be Edge's last match, that somebody close to his camp right. was, was saying that he was always talking about retiring in Toronto. Well, and he had kind of alluded to it the last time he had gone through Toronto, which if memory serves was an episode of Monday Night Raw. Don't ask me the date. But I, I know after the show went off the air mm-hmm. that he told the crowd, hey, you know, it's it's always great to wrestle in front of this crowd here in Toronto. And he alluded to the fact that the next time he comes through might be his last time. Yeah. Which everyone's like, oh, is he getting ready to retire again? What does this mean? And that was kind of it. You know, he never expunged upon it further. But now we know. Mm-hmm. So in the 25 years that Edge has been in the WWE, uh, he has rose to superstar status. Uh, coming out from the brood and really evolving his character into one of the most legendary pro wrestlers of the yeah. modern generation. Uh, unfortunately, he did suffer a very severe neck injury and was forced to retire right after WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and was long thought that that was going to be it for him. And unfortunately, he did not get to go out on his own terms. He did return at a Royal Rumble to just the adulation of many, many pro wrestling fans. Yeah. Well, I, looking at some of his accomplishments just in WWE, because if I read everything under his championships and accomplishments section on Wikipedia, we'll be here a while. Yeah. Uh, he's a four-time WWE champion. He is a seven-time world heavyweight champion. Uh, he was a uh, five-time uh, WWE intercontinental champion, was a one-time WCW United States champion, uh, was uh, one, let's see, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12 time uh, world tag team champion with multiple people, most notably Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, was also a uh, WWE tag team champion twice, uh, once with Rey Mysterio and another time with Chris Jericho. Uh, King of the Ring in 2001, t- uh, won Money in the Bank in 2005, run, won the Royal Rumble uh, twice, uh, once in 2010 and most recently in 2021. Uh, he was the 14th Triple Crown Champion, the third Grand Slam Champion under the current format, 13th overall. Uh, he won the Bragging Rights Trophy in 2010 with Team SmackDown, uh, the Championship Chase Tournament in 2008, the Gold Rush Tournament in uh, 2005, four-time Slammy Award winner, uh, and he is, of course, a member of the WWE Hall of Fame in the class of 2012. Yeah, because... At this point, he had been retired for nine years mm-hmm. before he returned in 2020. Because he had a triple fusion neck surgery, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. it was no joke. And to see him come back at that Royal Rumble, too, like I say, that was one of the most... That was all-time. That was one of the most legendary moments of all pro wrestling there history. Because I remember there were rumors that he was seen backstage and he oh, was sure. there. But it's, it's like, okay, he's a Hall of Famer. That makes sense he'd be backstage. Like, he kind of wanted to dismiss it as like, okay, yeah, he's there, but he's not going to show up. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's had really bad neck surgery that, like could affect his livelihood if he goes back and he injures it again. Mm-hmm. And then I forget what number he came out at, but you had three, two, one, eh, and then you think you know me. And it's like, wait, holy fuck, this is real. Yeah, and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. No. I, I think anywhere you went, no matter who you were, you got choked up when seeing him come back. Because to see somebody that's given their body in such a manner to the fans mm-hmm. and, and doing pro wrestling, I mean, I know it's kind of, in my opinion, I think it's overlooked a lot Yeah, because it's television and, and you know, we we always kind of say, well, you know, we know how it's ending, mm-hmm. but it's still a physical act every yeah. time they go in and not everything is perfect when somebody goes in that ring. Right. To see Edge come back 
was truly a, mo- a monumental moment. Mm-hmm. And he has been wrestling part-time since. Right. So to see him now officially off his contract in September, mm-hmm. we did know the one match was going to be taking place in, in Toronto. The crowd definitely reacted properly to it, in my opinion. A great crowd in Toronto that night. Yeah. And they put on a hell of a match, him and Sheamus. And and when you heard Sheamus was there, too, I think people were expecting to have a little more pomp and circumstance, I guess, instead of him. But right. you know, like, Sheamus is one of the best uh, talents they have in WWE. Why would you not trust him with Edge? Right. And especially to see what they had going. You didn't need a last storyline. You just need Edge to come in the ring and do what he does best. No. So now the question stems, since he is going to be off contract at the end of the month, where does he go from here? Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of speculation going on about the future for him. So, Pat, I'm going to ask you, where do you think he winds up? I think he stays with WWE, but for one more match. I mean, I read you off his accolades. He's won everything. He's done everything. You know, there's there's nothing left for him to do. The only thing I think, and it doesn't have to be a quote-unquote retirement match, but just do one more match. And, and could you do it with AEW? Yeah, I'm not going to rule AEW. I'm saying it's never going to happen. No, anything's possible. It could happen. He could. I know you guys brought this up on 607 TWS this week. Could he show up at AEW, wrestle with Christian, and go up against FTR? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, that's possible. What the percentage is, I couldn't tell you. But you know, we know he's great friends with Christian. We know he's great friends with both Dax and Cash and FTR. Mm-hmm. So could that happen? Sure. But I think for a guy who's been, you know, Undertaker levels of loyal to the WWE for all of these years, you know, I, I don't see it happening. Like I said, I'm not ruling it out, but I just I just don't see it happening. If it happens, okay, cool. But I think he's gonna he's gonna stick with WWE. Maybe go into a backstage thing, show up occasionally, you know, do some promotions. Maybe maybe do like a, a special referee if if it, if the match calls for it or it would work. You know, is he gonna show up weekly? No, but every once in a while, yeah, sure, maybe. But I do think there's one more match he could do. And I'll get to that in a little bit because uh, my guest for his opponent just got announced returning uh, here on September 1st. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen? You know, I think he stays with WWE. Mm-hmm. I think that, and much like I, I said on 607 TWS this week, on your favorite podcast players, I think there's a 35% chance he goes to AEW for one match. Sure. He's not going to be doing a Sting deal. He's not going to be doing uh, even a Matt Cardona deal, where right. he, you know, Cardona was there for only a handful of dates, and that was right. It. Right. I think he would go there legitimately to have one last match with him and Christian versus FTR. Mm-hmm. It just depends on how much he wants to do that and leave that moment in time. Right. Well, and, and here's the thing too. Is it cool to see? Absolutely. I know you oh, guys, sure. I know you guys brought this up on 607 TWS. Does he need to do a match with the Hardys again and team with Christian? No. We we've seen that God knows how many times. You can look it up yourself how many times they've faced each other as tag teams. Mm-hmm. We've we've seen it enough. You know, what do you really get other than a hey, you can check it off the proverbial, you know, checklist of things you've done? What do you get out of that? Like, is it a great final match? Yeah, sure. You're tagging with your best friend, going up against some of your other great friends, you know, in your final match. But like, realistic, what do you what do you get out of that? It's just a personal thing. Yeah. Like, it would just be a bucket list thing for him, and like, it just depends on how much that ranks on his list of things to do. Right. Which, 
I I don't know where it ranks. I mean, like I said, I don't know him. I don't know anybody that's real close to him. Neither so do I. I, I. I could not tell you that. I think just knowing him and just how much the WWE has been a part of him. Mm-hmm. I just don't see him going over there to do that match just for reasons. I just right. it just doesn't add up for me for a business move. Other than it's a personal thing, he's he really wants to get it done before he hangs him up. And if he does, like I will already tell you this, it'll be on all out. Yeah, it'll be on all out whenever that is going to be. Maybe next year. I don't see them doing a double or nothing. I think they would move all out somewhere. Maybe if they announced they were going to do it in Toronto, I think that would be yeah. all signs point that we're going to have that match. Yeah, I, I think that's if it happens, it's going to be in Toronto. Yeah, I think he wants to do it where it's advantageous for him. And I think that AEW would accommodate, to be honest with you. That's how much respect he has in the business. Yeah, this is true. So I just, I just don't see him doing it. I think that he might want to do one more match at a WrestleMania to say he did. Mm-hmm. If if he really wants to get it out of his system, but I think he ended things on such a note in front of that Toronto crowd mm-hmm. that why try recapturing the magic? Because we we've talked about this at length. You can't always go back and rewind time. Time moves forward. Mm-hmm. People don't. Mm-hmm. So it's a really fine line to walk. Right. But well, and plus the thing too is if we go along this hypothetical, because at this point everything's hypothetical. Oh, we, absolutely. We, we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, if we go along this hypothetical thread of okay, he goes to AW, he tags with Christian, he goes with against FTR. Heaven forbid Edge, Christian, Dax, or Cash get injured, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's a, it's a lengthy injury. It's one of those injuries that it's like okay, you're looking at nine months minimum before you can start training again. Mm-hmm. Is the drive going to be there like it was in the moment when you signed on the dotted line to do this match that you really still want to do this? Yeah. Because in the moment, yeah, absolutely. Would it make all the sense in the world for them to do it? Absolutely. But people's opinions and the way people feel about things change over time. Mm -hmm. So when you get to that nine plus months or whatever it ends up being, if there is a hypothetical injury to one of these guys, is he going to want to do it? Is the contractually he'll be obligated to do it? But will the drive still be there? Yeah. That's the biggest X factor we don't know. And it just depends on where he's going to be feeling in a few months. Because I think that he's going to sit back right now. And depending on what goes on with the uh, SAG strike and WGA strike, Mm -hmm. I think he's going to kind of wait things out to see. Because we do know he has dabbled in television and film a little bit. Yeah, I know he was in the History Channel and then later was on Amazon Prime, I think, uh, show uh, Vikings. Mm -hmm. But he's also got a major role in the upcoming Disney Plus show, uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. He is playing the uh, God of War Ares. Yeah. So I think he wants to see where that takes him. And honestly, at this stage, what else is there for him to do? Got to say, I watched Vikings, did not know it was him until I saw the fucking credits come up. I'm like, oh, shit, Edge was on this episode. Yeah, he's very good. Like, he, he's he's honing his craft of yeah. acting very well. Yeah. I just think that that's the avenue he's going to go with. Like I say, mm-hmm. could I see him come back? Sure. Could he come back to the WWE for one more match? I could see that, and especially you threw something out there that I, uh-huh. I think you might be on to something, Pat. Well, and part of this bounced off of, you know, I saw a poll online from Nerd Initiative of, like, who was the greatest opponent Edge had. Mm-hmm. And one of the, you know, Undertaker was there. You know, Cena was there. There were a couple others. But it was announced uh, this past week 
by the folks over at WWE, and I'm reading from an article on their own website where it says, quote, As first announced by Fox Sports, the greatest of all time, John Cena, will be appearing on the September 1st edition of SmackDown. He will also take place in WWE Superstar Spectacle in India on Friday, September 8th. The 16-time world champion and international film star has made several memorable recent appearances in WWE where he mixed it up with the likes of of then-bloodline allies Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn, Austin Theory, and Grayson Waller. What will happen when Cena returns to the blue brand? Find out September 1st at 8, 7 Central on Fox. Close quote. So here's the thing. Uh, So we know Cena's going to show up September 1st, presumably, and then he's going to be at the Superstar Spectacle uh, show in India on Friday, September 8th. Presumably the, the September 1st one's going to be to set up a match with somebody mm-hmm. at the Superstar Spectacle. It's John Cena. You don't need that long of a buildup to set something up. Right. He could do, hey, open challenge. Anyone who comes out right now will get a match with me at Superstar Spectacle. Boom. You've got your setup. I think that's going to be what it is. Who it is, take a hat, insert names, draw one. Include NXT because I think you could give somebody from NXT a rub you know, like a Carmelo Hayes, mm. like a, uh, uh, no, I almost want to say Grayson Wall, but he's on the main roster. Um, Bronson. Uh, oh, Braun Breaker. Braun, Braun Breaker. Thank you. Take your pick from NXT. You know, you could have, you could have that match. What I think will happen, and this is pure speculation. I haven't read anything. Nobody's direct messaged me any, any secrets or any hearsay. What I think could happen is you get Cena after the match at Superstar Spectacle, because I think Cena's going to win, because, hey, it, it's, you know, it's Cena in the most populous country on the planet, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what day of the week it is and you look at the numbers. But India's up there. Uh, but you don't you don't need to build for this match because it's already built in. You can announce it, and boom, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. What I think is going to happen is after this match is over, Cena gets the mic schmazes with the crowd like much like he did at money in the bank over in england and then says hey by the way certain uh good friend of mine i guess you could maybe you call him a former enemy of mine you know uh, i heard you were you were done with wwe and that your contract was up and you had no more matches nah nah you got well, i think you got one more match in you and i you know and i know just who the perfect opponent is Hey, Edge, why don't you face me at WrestleMania? Cena versus Edge, one more time, WrestleMania, pick your night. I would say that could main event night one because where to, where to, obviously whoever wins the Rumble is going to main event night two. Mm-hmm. Don't get much bigger than that. Hell, I'll even, I'll even say that probably would open up night one. You could say it, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it is a main event match. I, I like how you're booking there, Pat, I do. I think there's a lot of possibility with that. And I would not doubt that if they want to get one last WrestleMania moment, like they both know it's it's done. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously John Cena's taken off towards more TV and film. Yeah, and he, even Cena said he can't go at the level he used to a couple years ago. Yeah, but if you want to get that crowd going in Philly, seeing those two come out to kick off the show, oh I, my think, God. I think there's a lot of wind to be had there. Nuts. There's a lot of wind to be had, so it's just going to be a matter of waiting and seeing. We yeah. just have to be patient and just remind everybody, don't believe everything you read over the next 30 days. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of speculation. Yeah, until Edge is officially a free agent and the big uh, finalization of the WWE sale, mm-hmm. all bets are off. Yep. But it's good to fan speculate, Yeah, but that's all it's going to be for that moment. Though. Yep. 
Uh, lastly, certainly not leastly, uh, about a week and a half away now. Uh, yeah. On September 2nd is the next WWE premium live event or pay-per-view, whatever you want to call it. Uh, payback taking place from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. No, we know a couple of matches. We'll do a full breakdown next week because I'm sure we'll have the card as close to finalized as we can. Uh, but the matches we know currently are uh, for the Women's World Championship. You have Rhea Ripley defending her belt against Raquel Rodriguez. Like that match. Should be good. I like the I like the setup they've been doing it, especially last night, uh, where Raquel Rodriguez came out after uh, Rhea beat Candice LeRae. She's hobbling, you know. Rhea's making fun of Raquel, and Raquel does. You can see it coming from a mile off if you've watched wrestling for any length of time, but it was still awesome to see. She goes, "Oh, hey, by the way, I don't need the crutch anymore." Throws it at her, attacks her. So set up, hey, I'm here for it. Should be good. Uh, you've got Seth freaking Rollins defending his World Heavyweight Championship belt against Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, this one. Woo-hoo. Definitely is picking up a lot of steam. Uh, Seth's promo last night uh-huh. on Monday Night Raw. He has still uh, hurt lumbars. Yeah, well, well, first, uh, Shinsuke brought it up mm-hmm. because there was this whole, uh, we know the week prior, Shinsuke said something to Seth, mm-hmm. and it shocked the hell out of Seth. And, I, oh, what did he say? What did he say? And Shinsuke did an interview in full Japanese, which... I think added to the mystique and the aura of this whole interview mm-hmm. where he said, I told Seth, I know about your back mm-hmm. and that he's been suffering from a debilitating back injury that won't get better anytime soon and that it could shorten his career length. And I'm sitting there going, all right, is this true? Or are they just pulling the wool over my eyes? Mm-hmm. Cause they were showing clips. He's taking a lot of back bumps. Could it be possible? Yeah. Well, you think about any wrestler that wrestles at the level of Seth. And the proverbial uh, tread on the tires. Mm-hmm. The human body is not meant to last that long in pro wrestling terms. No, it's really not. So the fact that he's still performing at this level, yeah, he's not exactly coming out of this unscathed. I mean, I would say, is there a fair possibility? Absolutely. But, is, I'm saying, is there wear and tear? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is there an actual legit back injury? Uh, we have no idea. Yeah, we have no idea. But Seth has never really let us stop him. It is an interesting situation if they want to put that up as a storyline piece, I will say that. It's a great setup. It is, and I think it def- it definitely is going to add something to this match when they do it. I mean, I think we we still have one more week to go with promos for that, yeah, so do. I definitely want to see how next week plays out, but it's an interesting dynamic they're throwing in that mix. Mm-hmm. We just got to kind of have to wait to see how it all shapes up. We do. Uh, and then the last match we have announced is Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus in a steel cage match. I got to admit. Uh-huh. The reactions online to this feud, very, very different than I thought it was going to be. I will be honest. When they did the setup for this, I was excited mm-hmm. because I'm like, hey, it's Trish, one of the best of all time versus Becky, one of the best of this generation. Should be good. Yeah. Easy print money. You know, control C print. Mm-hmm. Easy. And then they were supposed to have the match on SummerSlam and it got cut because of time and all this other stuff. I know Triple H alluded to it in the uh press conference after SummerSlam, which mm-hmm. which I'm like, okay, listen, I it's a live event. You only got so much time. I understand that. So I was, I, unlike other folks who were up in arms, pitchforks and, and flaming torches, I was like, all right, they're going to get their time to shine. Let's see this play out. Let's see where it goes. And right. obviously they've got an end game. They have an end game with this and they've been stringing along shenanigans. You know, they were supposed to have a match on Raw a couple weeks ago and Zoe Stark got involved. So it was a DQ. You know, so the match never happened. So Adam Pierce goes, oh, no, no, we're not doing it this way. You know, 
Uh, we're going to do a match, but Zoe Stark, you're you're barred from ringside. And then I think it ended up being a count out or mm-hmm. whatever it was. So, something um, like that. Something like that. So, no, no, no. We're going to do this. And and just so you can't run away and Zoe can't get in, interfered, you know, we're going to make it a steel cage match. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I got to admit, I'm starting to fall asleep with this. Yeah. That, like, they were having the, – and I don't know if it was just they had an off night promo-wise last night, but I was watching. And I was legitimately starting to fall asleep. That, like, I just, for whatever reason, it's not connecting with me. I think, as weird as it sounds, I think fans are just tuning this feud out. And, I, and I'm and i kind of a little perplexed by it. Okay. But, I'm, but I understand it, though, because much like you touched upon, I think they've mismanaged a lot. This has been a rare misfire for WWE about setup for this. Right. Trish Stratus coming back is a big deal, and she still is going at this age, uh, you know, that she's been long retired, but she's still coming. Like she's still she's doing out. house shows. Yeah, she's, she's selling. She's helping sell out house shows in Canada. Yeah, so I mean, she still has you know the fire in her, but I for some reason it's just not clicking with her and Becky, and I don't I don't know. Maybe it's just Becky's character as the man. I feel might have ran its course. It might have, yeah. And I just don't think that it's still generating that that buzz that it did way back when i mean it was it's it was such a flash in the pan that it happened yeah that short of somebody giving her a bloody nose again yeah you might not be able to recreate yeah and i think it's just it, this i mean the feud has been good at, they're gonna put on a great match at the pay-per-view oh, yeah i fully feel but i'm also like where do we go from here and like it's such a weird statement to make and and especially with becky lynch but i it's, it's just in comparison to you think of the other storylines going on with Rhea Ripley, who's now crossing over to pop culture. Mm-hmm. You think about what's going on with SmackDown, too. And this this feud should be getting a lot more buzz yeah. with the fans and connecting. And it's, it's a Hall of Famer versus a future Hall of and Famer. And it's just missing. And I, yeah. I, I don't know if the, if just people are, are tuning out because they think Trisha's just going to leave after this is done. Uh-huh. And it's like, why get invested unless Trisha's back back? I know? think for me, it's just too much stringing along. They're like, okay, I understand you want to get it to the pay-per-view. You got to do some shenanigans to get there. But I think it's it's just they haven't taken the right steps for it. Mm. You know, if if it would have been a situation where, you know, Trish disappeared for a couple weeks because oh, she was wearing the mask because mm-hmm. she had the quote-unquote face injury. You know, if it was something like, like oh, I can't be there. You know, I, I'm getting reconstructive surgery done on my orbital bone. Yeah. Pick something in the face. It doesn't, you know, it's kayfabe. It don't, it don't matter. Right. You know, and she didn't show up, and so it's just Becky versus Zoe Stark for a couple of weeks in, in similar sort of gimmick matches where it's like, oh, hey, she ran away. Okay, you know what? We're going to do, you know, a, a lumberjack or lumber woman match, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Then I'd be okay with it because then, you know, whatever, a couple of weeks, maybe the, it would have been this week for the setup for the pay-per-view is in the match, you know, you get Trish showing up, costing Becky the match, and, hey, I haven't forgotten what you did to me. You know, I want to face you at, at Payback. Yeah. Because, hey, payback's a, well, you know. Yeah. I think it would have done better for you, but just the way they've been stringing this along just to get it to the pay-per-view feels like you're trying to get your car to the gas station and you're on fumes. Yeah, I could see that. And it's just, like I say, surprising to me. But then again, like, I grew up in the era where Trish was the best, uh, one of the best wrestlers on the planet, period. Right, right. You know, male or female. So it's just really crazy for me to see that, but it's interesting to watch online and just see the reaction because a lot of people are echoing what you're saying, Pat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I'm just – Right. It's just very telling of the temp in the room. But I think, though, this will be the final payoff to the match. I could see Trish leaving after this, which 
Could so could be. Could be, and then yeah. we'll just have to see where Zoe Stark goes from here. Yeah. Uh, that's it for the announced matches. Uh, just one more I think is going to happen. Uh, we will probably be getting a triple threat match, or uh, no, uh, six-man tag uh, between Judgment Day, the uh, so Damien Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and Finn Balor against Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Cody Rhodes, because that seems to be a thing that is ongoing and not stopping anytime soon. I could see that having a weird stipulation. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say wall games. No. But I could see that having some kind of stipulation involved. And the Judgment Day feud has been really interesting to watch play out. Mm -hmm. I think a lot is just waiting to see what they're going to do next with Cody Rhodes. Yeah. And I think that with Kevin Owens just coming back from injury, this would be a safe match to do. Yeah, because there's two other guys. Well, four or five other guys, whatever the math ends up being, that you you don't got to worry about Kevin carrying the match. Right, but I think they have to add something to this. Yeah. Um, I just don't know what. Yeah. That's the only thing, because we've seen a lot of this back and forth on Monday night um, for quite some time now. Yeah. So I'd like to see them add something new to it. I just don't know what. Like, that's... Yeah, it, ju- it just feels like because there's not really much going on with the tag team division other than <laughs> Tommaso Ciampa mentioning a certain three-word uh, phrase. Yes. Uh, he's going to do it yourself. Yep. D-I-Y. Uh, in his ongoing search for Johnny Gargano. Uh, there's not much going on with the tag division. It, it feels like I know they've got Drew McIntyre and Riddle teaming because why, Ken? Reasons. Reasons. Don't know why. Uh, you've got the New Day coming. They just came back, though. So yeah. that, that makes sense. You know, but the whole Drew McIntyre Riddle thing, I, I just don't know. So without a lack of a tag team, because we're a week and a half away from the pay-per-view. If they were defending the belts at the pay-per-view, we'd know by now who they were facing. I just feel that they're going to do they're going to do this uh, six-man tag for reasons yeah i agree with you and it'll still be a fun match but i don't think it's gonna be it won't be the main event by any means i could i could honestly see becky and trish getting the main event slot that would make sense steel cage hall of famer yeah yeah which we'll just have to wait to see play out but in the meantime we'll definitely be talking about it on odph social media and where do you go for that pad odphpodcast.com right on so make sure to go use that hashtag hashtag odph pod but we have one more thing to discuss, don't yes, we? Yes, we do, because we got a press release uh, from WWE that certainly caught our eyes, caught the Internet's eyes, and made us sit there and go, holy shit. Yeah, break it down for us, Pat. Uh, yeah, so reading from the email sent to us courtesy by the fine folks at WWE, it says, WrestleMania 40 breaks WWE all-time gate record in one day. Jesus. Says WrestleMania 40 at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia sells more than 90,000 tickets and surpasses the WrestleMania 39 total gross of $21.6 million. <sighs> Says uh, Stanford, Connecticut, August 21st, 2023. WWE today announced that WrestleMania 40 broke the company's all time gate record in one day. The previous total gross record, $21.6 million, was set earlier this year at WrestleMania 39 at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. WrestleMania 40, which takes place at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia on Saturday, April 6th and Sunday, April 7th, sold more than 90,000 tickets when it went on sale last Friday. The record gate comes on the heels of unprecedented ticket ticket sales demand for WWE in 2023, which to date has produced the highest grossing gates of all time for premium live events such as SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, and Money in the Bank, uh, SummerSlam, which uh, emanated from Ford Field in Detroit earlier this month, generated a record gate of $8.5 million, the largest gate for any non-WrestleMania event ever. 
Additionally, On Location has sold more fan experience packages for WrestleMania 40 than all of WrestleMania 39 and broke the all-time revenue record for a single WWE event in this area. Limited tickets for WrestleMania 40 are still available. Uh, in addition, limited ticket packages are available for WrestleMania 40 via on location, uh, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, they've sold a, coolest quote, they've sold a fuckload of tickets. That's huge. That's insane. For anybody thinking WWE's slowing down, they're just picking up more and more steam. And it does not sound like they're going to be stopping anytime soon for arguably what will be the biggest WrestleMania to date. Might be the loudest because it's in Philly. Might be the loudest EC dub chance we've heard since One Night Stand. If Rob Van Dam comes out to wrestle, yo, just for one night, oh my god, that could that could be a well, lot of noise to talk. The about. proverbial roof would blow off the place. Yeah, I know it's an open air stadium and there's not a roof, but metaphors. Yeah, there's a lot of good to be talking about in pro wrestling. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Let us know. And and if you want even more pro wrestling talk. Make sure you're following and listening to the latest edition of 607 TWS, the wrestling show on your favorite podcast providers, but also make sure you're following Nerd Initiative on social media. Depending on when you hear this episode, there is a big announcement that will be happening during AEW Dynamite this week. So if you want even more pro wrestling content... I strongly suggest you keep an eye out for that announcement. There's an announcement on Wednesday, and it's not coming from TK. Yep. But uh, maybe there'll be some justified this is awesome chance. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. They got a busy week going on over there, too. So you definitely yes, want to. So you want to get caught up on that, 607 TWS. In the meantime, check out, the like I say, listen to the latest ODPH because we're talking everything in the land of WWE and more. So stay tuned for that. But we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. Hey guys, it's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH Podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. First of which, obviously, being the local minute. And uh, speaking of the local minute, we got to talk with some Binghamton Rumble Ponies action because they were at home playing the Portland Sea Dogs this past week. Uh, so they had their they had their game on Tuesday, August fifteenth, where they lost by the final score of nine to six. Lost again on Wednesday by the final score of 10 to 7. One on Thursday, though, by the final score of 5 to 4. Uh, one on Friday uh, by the final score of 7 to 4, which was the game I happened to go to. So, hey, that was always good to see. Uh, came back on Saturday and won again by the final score of 6 to 1. Uh, and then came back and lost on Sunday by the final score of 2 to 1. Uh, I got to say, the Friday game, a lot of fun. Uh, the Whoever was the starting pitcher for the Portland Sea Dogs could not hit the ocean if he were standing on a dock. <laughs> uh, although they left him in there, though, which was surprising to see. He hit two batters in like the first inning, and I figured this, and he was at like 20 something pitches for the first uh, inning. And I'm like, this guy is not long for the game. Uh, Binghamton batted around, though. The bullpen almost blew it. They were up like 6 nothing, 7 nothing. They gave up four runs, held on to the win, though. It was 80s nights. So they were rocking with the 80s tunes, so that was always that was always fun. 
great fireworks show afterwards. Uh, so definitely a fun experience. It was the first game I was able to get to this year, uh, this season because of scheduling and being busy. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Highly recommend you get down there uh, if you haven't gotten down yet. They do have a couple more series, though. Uh, looking ahead to the schedule this week, they are on the road playing New Hampshire. Uh, they're playing 7.05 p.m. Eastern for their games from Tuesday through Saturday. Sunday game is at 1.35 p.m. Eastern. And despite the fact they're on the road this week, there is action going on at the stadium. Uh, so the summer movie series is concluding here. They were supposed to have this a couple of weeks ago, but it got uh, delayed because of weather. They're having their final uh, movie of the summer, which is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. It's taking place this Friday. August 25th, gates open at 6.30 p.m. The movie starts at 7.30 p.m. Do not need to pay to get in. You can just park, show up at the stadium, walk in. Concessions will be available. Uh, they do recommend, they do encourage folks to bring a non-perishable item to donate to Chow. Yeah. But otherwise, you don't need anything. You can just show up. Uh, you cannot bring chairs onto the field. You can bring a blanket. But you can literally just show up, buy a bag of popcorn, Watch the movie and leave, and all you have paid for is the popcorn. Great deal, great great idea by these guys. Uh, the, the video board is certainly big enough for it, mm-hmm. you know. But if you if you haven't seen the movie, you got kids, you're looking for something to do this Friday, and there's a movie and you can watch outdoors because watching movies outdoors these days, not as common as it used to be. Yeah, it is kind of a rarity these so days. It's kind of a dying thing. Uh, but so definitely give it a shot and check that out. Uh, then switching over to some NBA because, hey, it's the offseason, but boy, people are still making some news. Man, we got to talk about this one. So uh, James Harden wants out of Philadelphia in the worst humanly way possible. Going so far as to say uh, he would not perform uh, the services called for under his player contract unless he was traded to another team. Uh, and he referred to the franchise president, Daryl Morey, as a liar. Wow. And I'm quoting him, folks. Yes. Uh, so reading from an article on ESPN.com, it goes on to say, quote, The league last week launched an inquiry into the circumstances around Harden's comments on August 14th and 17th. The investigation found that the comments stemmed from Harden's belief that the team would not accommodate his trade request, the NBA said in a statement. An interview with Harden was part of the investigation. Harden's comments that he would never be a part be part of an organization that included Maury played a bigger part in the fine, sources told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. It touched on the league's rules concerning public trade demands. Close uh, quote. So what did they find him, Ken, you might ask? $100,000. Well. Whew, that he, pocketbook's a little lighter these days. It's a little lighter, but I got to admit, I... I was side with the the Sixers organization about this. Mm-hmm. It is one thing if a player is disgruntled and mad about their their contract status. But it's another when you are taking shots publicly. Yeah, yeah. And not mixing your words. Nope. Against the people that are paying the the checks there, so to speak. Yeah. So on August 14th in over in China, he was promoting his uh, line of Adidas basketball shoes. He called Maury a liar and mm-hmm. said he would never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Three days later, August 17th, he replied to a KHOU uh, 11 television reporter and said, quote, uh, they were, he was asked if the relationship was beyond repair, and he, mm-hmm. and he said, I think so. He went on to say, quote, I've been patient all summer. For me, it's just focus on what I can control and getting ready for this season, close quote. Well, that should be, but then when you're calling your president uh, and higher-ups, they're liars, and, you know, like to, to paraphrase what he's saying. Yeah. Because that, that's the vibe he's saying. 
is if he's not going to play for the organization, then there is a distinct problem there. Mm-hmm. And the fact he's airing these grievances out like this, I yep. think that's that's a problem. And it's a problem not just for him and the organization who, okay, if you want to step in swiftly and fine him for con, you know conduct detrimental to the team because that's how they can file that as, mm-hmm. in my opinion – then it would be a problem for any team that wants to trade for him. Mm-hmm. Because if he's acting like this here, yeah, why? what's to say that he won't act like this for your team? It'll, it'll be a honeymoon period, and he'll be happy. But as soon as things turn you know, sour and things don't go the way he would expect them to, you know, his touches go down, his scoring goes down, whatever it is that kind of ticks him off a little bit, it's going to be a wash, rinse, repeat. Well, take a look at how he left Houston to go to Brooklyn. Yeah. Came in um, not in tip-top shape, if memory serves me right. Yeah. Yeah, that was a thing. forced his way to Brooklyn. Yeah. Forced his way out of Brooklyn because he was like, yo, this ain't what I signed up for. Exactly. So when there's a pattern of behavior like this, that is a problem. And how Philly's handling this, I think they're doing it the right way mm-hmm. because they don't want to have the inmates run the asylum. Well, I mean, look at what ha- again. Look at what happened with Brooklyn. Yeah, you know where it, where it was the inmates running the asylum and pretty much doing whatever the hell they wanted, running practices on their own, not really giving a you know what what the coach said or what they wanted to do. And it's like I feel like the the front office and the owners want to take back a little bit of control on this. Like, okay, listen, it's great you guys want to. Do your own thing, but like this is a business at the end of the day. Mm. You are contractually obligated, and Harden is kind of hinting at like he might not show up to the team's training camp here in September, which he's contractually obligated to do so. Which, yeah. God, if he doesn't, it's going to get more ugly. But it feels like just with all of this stuff going on that's like in the players' favor and everything the players want to do, the owners are like, yeah, hi, we're trying to run a business here. Yeah, so he needs to just be very careful about this. He can still try getting out of Philadelphia but making comments like this. The Sixers needed to step in and do something. Right, and, and here's the thing. Is it entirely possible that they told him, yeah, we're going to find your trade as quickly as we can? But again, it's a business. You want to get something back equal or greater value mm-hmm. as to what you're giving up. They're not going to trade uh, James Harden to the Minnesota Timberwolves for a bucket of popcorn and a mop. Yeah. Unless they want you real, really bad out there, in which case they'll take whatever they can get. But no, they want something of equal or greater value. So if they're getting all these packages from these other teams and none of them are what they want, of course they're not going to treat you. Now, could it be Philly simply has too high of a trade demand? That's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. You know, who's to say? But both, you know, both sides got to sit back here and realize, all right, there's a reason behind this, and Harden's got to cool off a little bit. Yeah, I agree. That's why I say, like, how Philly's handling this, I don't have any issues with. No. Just because there's been a pattern of behavior that Harden has done where he's gone. Yeah, once is an anomaly, twice is cause for concern, three times, well, there's a pattern. Exactly. So we'll have to wait and see how this plays out, but I think Philly's doing the right decision here. Mm-hmm. And then, if you know, if some team wants to try getting him out of Philly, well, I mean, buyer beware, I guess, at this stage. I would say so. Yeah. So for me, obviously, we got to talk a little bit of entertainment news, and obviously with the strike going on, that means no movies and no TV, unfortunately. But hopefully there might be some light at the end of the tunnel with the strike going Ooh. on. So always optimistic about that. But there is comic news, and there is a lot coming out from Marvel. Yeah. I'm going to kind of do this quick hit style. 
There has been some noise centering around everybody's favorite X-Men to a degree, mm-hmm. and that is one Wolverine. Yup. And it was announced that in Wolverine 4142, written by Ben Piercy, who's been doing an amazing job there, they're unveiling the Sabretooth War crossover. Now, this is going to be the first time those Sabretooth and Wolverine have really seen each other in quite some time mm-hmm. uh, with the whole Krakoan era going on over there. But this is going to be exciting. Like I said, Piercy has really captured his voice. Uh, if you don't, if you, if you need to get a little bit familiar with Ben Percy's work, especially with Wolverine, and you don't have time to read the comics, if I'm not mistaken, there was the first two seasons, maybe three seasons, I think it was, of the Marvel podcast Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Just search Marvel Wolverine on whatever podcast player you you use, you'll find it. Those were written by Ben Percy. Yes. Which they then turned, took those stories, adapted them into trade paperbacks. But Ben Percy wrote those podcasts. They are phenomenal yeah no he really has captured logan's voice yes he has and it's been amazing stuff especially i know the current era of x-men books are very polarizing to some fans sure i enjoy it but i like stuff that's different right so i'm fully invested in and i really i'm excited to see what they do because saber time on krakoa has been um interesting to say the least yeah so now the fact they're going to be having an all-out brutal war and i can only imagine what piercy behind this this is going to be must-read material, so I'm super excited about that. But it's actually been overshadowed mm-hmm. by a bigger opponent for Wolverine. <laughs> One could say his biggest opponent yet. Yeah, and this is coming from the press release that our friends over at Marvel Comics uh, quote, it's the bloodthirsty saga fans have been waiting for on September 20th. The Predator will be unleashed in the Marvel Universe for the very first time as he viciously hunts Wolverine across decades of Marvel comic history in Predator versus Wolverine. Yeah, folks, that Predator. Yeah, from the movies, this is exciting news. Yo, let's go. I Yeah, to be honest with you, when this was first announced, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is really going to happen? And then, sure enough, they have loaded this four-issue series up and this is going to be one for pop culture fans. They're going to be sinking their teeth into, pun intended. This is going to be some really great storytelling. Ben Piercy is the mastermind behind it. A lot of artists are swinging in through this. Uh, Ken Lashley, uh, Greg Land, and Andrea DeVito. Uh, listen, the covers for this you've been finding online, they're going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, depicting different eras. like Just the fact that we get this in this day mm-hmm. and age, I'm super excited for so this is going to be something you want to keep your eyes out for at the comic shops. September 20th is when the first issue drops. Four issues. It's not going to be for the Tame of Heart. I want to put that out uh, first and foremost. Yeah, I was going to say it's Predator and Wolverine. You, not for kids. No, definitely not. So you definitely want to keep an eye out for that. And as we are recording, another press release came to us from Marvel that I definitely want to talk about a little bit. We did hear coming out of San Diego Comic-Con that Spider-Gwen was going to be returning with an all-new series coming out in December, written by a friend of ours. Uh, You might know her work from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and The Dead Lucky. That's Melissa Flores. Well, it has been announced that the title has been changed. Okay. So it's going to be titled Spider-Gwen Smash. (laughs) So this will be coming out in December. And like we said, Melissa Flores is writing it. Enid Balam is doing the artwork for it. And... I say this all the time on social media. I say this if you stop me in the comic shops. If you see Melissa Flores' name on a book, you pick it up and you read. She is that great of a writer, and she has a lot of cool stuff that's out on the shelves now, and her getting a chance to write Spider-Gwen 
this is going to be something really fun to watch. So I'm going to say keep an eye out for this when it drops in December. And you definitely want to make sure you have this on your pull list when it comes out. So, But the title has been changed. Not sure exactly why, per se, but just the fact that uh, we're making some noise here going into December. There's a lot of good stuff coming out from Marvel alone. I mean, not saying... I mean, the rest of the industry has got a lot of great books coming out, too. Yes. But Marvel has been hitting left and right with a lot of new announcements, and I'm super excited to go check them out when they hit the shelves. Spider-Gwen's one of them, because like I say, Melissa Flores does no wrong in my eyes always is writing something great and especially has a big week at the comic shop this week. And Pat, let's talk about it. What's the picks for the comic fans this week? Uh, for me, just one this week, amazing Spider-Man issue number 32 from Zeb Wells. You got John Romita on the cover and uh, rejoining them as the artist. You got uh, Patrick Gleason. Ooh, okay. Uh, and a description of this is quote, two of Spider-Man's villains are forming the deadliest team up he's ever had to face. But are they after Spidey, or is he just in the way of something bigger? Patrick Gleason rejoins the Amazing Spider-Man crew for the darkest arc of ASM yet. Yeah, I am excited to see where this goes. I mean, obviously we know Gang War is coming from Marvel. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of craziness. That cover looks really, really good, though. Yeah, it does. I'm excited to see this. Like I say, they have got some really cool things lined up for Amazing Spider-Man, so I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I know... It's been a little um, bumpy, yeah, to say the least. I mean, there's been some some moves they've done that me personally, as a fan, I haven't been like, yeah, but I understand what they're doing. But you know, much like anything, you gotta let it, the story breathe and really mm-hmm. kind of see what they're doing there. So excited to see what's happening there. Big week for uh, <laughs> the X Men books too uh, from Marvel this week. Jean Grey has her own yeah. uh, limited series coming out. A lot of hype circling around that. Uh, Fall of X stuff has really been uh, picking up some steam, so I'm excited about that. Invincible Iron Man number nine is coming out, so this is all leading into the upcoming wedding with Tony Stark and Emma Frost. Mm-hmm. So a lot of stuff to be talking about there. Also, a new X-Force talking about Ben Piercy. Like, what he's done with that run has been very, very fun. And Immortal Thor number one. Yeah. So Al Ewing is bringing back Thor in a big way. Super excited to see what's happening there. On the DC side of things, I talked about this. Uh, there is two books out that definitely caught my eye. One, Night Terrors is getting ready to wrap up. So the big crossover event that's been taken over the DC universe is starting to come to a close. The series has been very interesting. Like I say, it's gone in a couple of different directions I was not expecting. There's been a million spinoffs. So your favorite characters have been facing their biggest fears. One to check out. Um, so definitely... If you've been hooked on the story like I have been getting more engrossed in, mm-hmm. this is going to be one for you. Uh, another book, definitely want to shout them out because it's the Mind Hive, and that is Batman Beyond Neo Gothic number two. So, Colin Kelly, Jackson, Jackson Lansing, or yeah, Jackson Lansing. Um, see, I get excited talking about it. Sometimes I mess up my words, but that series has been definitely one to go check out. So, super excited about that. And The Penguin is in his own series, Pat. Hey. So, the longtime villain. Of of Batman has a very cool concept behind him. Okay, because technically he has been dead as far as the DC world is known. Right. So this story catches up to his life in Metropolis. Oh, and basically what brings him back into the world of Gotham City. Tom King is writing this, and Rafael de la Torre is drawing it and this is oh, I've like I said the first issue is out I gave my review on odphpodcast.com and nerdinitiative.com 
Uh, this is one not to miss. This was a really cool introduction to what they have going on here. And Batman is gearing up for a big, big fall. So coming out of Night Terrors, expect a lot of cool stuff happening there. There's a couple books that are dropping. City of Madness is coming out by Christian Ward. That'll be out, I believe, in October. That is going to be one not to miss. There's okay. a brand new one by Joshua Williamson, who we know from Superman. Yes. Doing a Batman and Robin series, too. Birds of Prey is coming out. There, there's a lot of wind coming out of Gotham City, folks. So let me just illustrate that for you as well. Um, very quickly, IDW has a huge week coming out, too. Star Trek Strange New Worlds, The Scorpius Run is coming out, and that is written by a, a friend of ours, too, Mr. Ryan Parrott, who we know from Rogue Son and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay. Uh, fame, you know, like I say, Power Rangers crossover. Like I say, he's written a lot of things, and like I say, the fact his name's attached to this, that is a must-pick-up for me. Also, coming out, the second issue of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Stranger Things crossover, so that'll be a little exciting. Uh, for Rocketeer fans, the Rocketeer in the Den of Thieves is coming out as well. Uh, coming by way of Image Comics, which has a monster week, too, this week, too. Like, we always kind of say big weeks. Pad, this is a monster week. Okay. So, Battle Chasers 12, this has been the sci-fi epic that, I mean, like, for me, watching Joey Mads as an uncanny X-Men artist who now evolve into this, you know, RPG-esque fantasy book has been nothing but absolute fire. Issue 12 is dropping. Also, huge week for the massive verse, like we've discussed. No one number five is coming out, so the murder mystery that is happening throughout the massive verse continues to pick up steam. And I would expect the new podcast episode will be dropping as well when the issue hits on Wednesday. Rogue Son number fifteen. We mentioned Ryan Parrott. It's able, Marco. You know Marco Renna on the artwork. Mm-hmm. Like I say, that book is picking up a lot of steam too. Dead Lucky number eight. Melissa Flores, French Carlo Magno is on that. Also coming out, like we said, Click Click Boom number three. That's been a really fun series. If you haven't checked that out, highly recommend it. It's got a whole different, unique vibe to it. Really is a cool series. Definitely want to give that a plug. Also, Pad, what happens when the most unlikely person on Earth gets superhero powers? whole lot of shenanigans, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. That is the premise behind The Schlub. So Ryan Stegman, Kenny Porter, Tyrell Cannon is really painting this unique vision of the superhero genre, and it's got a very, very cool vibe to it. If you like your humor mixed in with your superheroics, this is going to be a book for you. Uh, Definitely keep an eye out for that at the comic shops this week, and I know that Nerd Initiative has been plugging this away. Uh, We did get a chance to check it out and uh, in advance, and it's been a fun read nevertheless. Also, Firepower by Robert Kirkman, Chris Sammy. Like, what can you say? It's, It's Firepower. Like that's pretty much all you really need to say about this. It's it's Robert Kirkman. Enough yeah. said. Enough said there. And last but certainly not least, Boom Studios. Man, you want to talk about big weeks? Most of Flores, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers one eleven. The Darkest Hour kicks off. Mm. This is going to be the big crossover event that she or big story event that she's doing. And like I said, the the run that she's done with Simona Gian Fleece has just been absolute fire. Like I, It's n- no miss whatsoever. So definitely give that a very, very high recommendation to pick up. Like I say, you should just see the name on the title and go pick it up. Also, Magic, uh, for anybody that's a fan of the uh, that kind of fantasy storylines, uh, Planeswalker Notorious number one is coming out, and Creed the Next Round number three is coming out from Boom Studios. Ooh. So like we say, 
There is a lot to check out at the comic shops. So you definitely want to make sure you're going on supporting your LCS over the you know week here. There is so much big wins happening that we just have to say, go out and support your favorite comic shops. And definitely keep an eye on Nerd Initiative on Wednesday because we have reviews dropping every hour on Wednesday. Sheesh. Every hour going from 9 a.m. to, I want to say, 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. We have a brand new review that's dropping talking about these books because – the whole bullpen has gotten really hooked on a lot of great series and they want to talk about it, and we're only giving you great, you know, great recommendations. So you'll get our honest reviews about it because that's what we like to do. There's no fluff. There's no sensationalism. There's just fans being fans talking about these great books. So you definitely want to make sure you're checking every hour on the hour at nerdinitiative.com. And if you need a link there, simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com and definitely check that out. And like we say each and every week, Pat, for anything and everything, it is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. That is it for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. Uh, it's good hearing that back in the studio. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Gotta beat down to the punch. Gotta beat down to the punch.